I think we might have two undefeated teams in the ACC championship with a Pittsburgh and a Clemson. And my goodness, how much fireworks would that be if that came to fruition? All right, put it on paper. Eric McLean's got Pitt going undefeated. All right. I'm sure no Tennessee fans will react strongly to that. I'm sure nobody else in the Coastal will react strongly to that. It'll be good. Hello, welcome to Always College Football. Today is Wednesday, August 24th. We hope you're enjoying the show wherever it is you're getting the show, whether that's on the ESPN YouTube channel or if you're here with us via podcast on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. The interactions will help us moving forward. Hit us up in the comments section if you're on the YouTube channel. Tell us where we can get better, how we can improve, because we want to tailor the show to your liking. We have a great game plan in store for you today as we're going to take a look at Clemson. This will be an annual theme with us. We'll take the top four teams in the preseason poll. We'll do a deep dive with usually an analyst that went to that school. We'll make sure that they take off their ESPN or their CBS or their Big Ten Network or their Fox hat, and we'll put on their team-colored hat. We'll do that today with Clemson, and Eric McLean will join the show. He does a great job on ACC Network, and we look forward to visiting with him on his Clemson Tigers. That's right. I will say his. It's going to be a partisan approach. I'll try to shoot holes and why they shouldn't be there. He'll defend why they should. Plus, we have a new Eli's Places with a special look at the iconic number 44 at Syracuse. And there's news. There's always news this time of year. So we'll get into some news and notes at the end of the show. So without much further ado, let's dive into Clemson. Let's talk about it. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, thrilled to be joined with our good friend, Eric McLean, who does an amazing job on ACC Network, ESPN. He does an amazing podcast every day as well. You could check that out. Uh, and I, I think he just does a phenomenal job covering the sport. But I'm going to ask him, at least for this exercise. And Eric, you tell me if you can oblige. I don't think it's going to be that difficult for you. I don't think it's a difficult <laughs> ask. You just get to reveal the de- deep-rooted inner fandom that you have for your alma mater, the Clemson Tigers. This is our Clemson breakdown. So are you ready to take off the ESPN hat and put on the Clemson Tiger hat for a minute? Or is your dog oh, going to object? The, the dog is excited to, to talk about Clemson. Uh, she, <laughs> she's jacked up. But I can do that. I'd love to, man. I love it. Awesome stuff. Well, let's let's get into it for sure. Let's start with the quarterback spot. Actually, before we start with the quarterback, because that feels a little low-hanging fruit, let's start with the coordinators. Now, we know how good Brent Venables and Tony Elliott were for the last handful of years. I mean, they've done a great job, won a lot of games. Tell me about Brandon Streeter 
and Wes Goodwin on the offensive yeah. and defensive side of the football, respectively. Yeah, man. Well, let's uh, let's start with the defensive side because I, I think that Coach Venables is one of the greatest ever, right? He he just is obsessed with defensive football. He he absolutely loves it. The mind that he has, the the things that he you know could do schematically and, and change over time. I mean, we saw uh, you know when when they went from having one of the best defensive lines ever to all those guys, you know, kind of moving on, they went to like this, you know, three, five, three look and, and totally changed everything that he had ever done um, up until that point. So he, he's a guy that could adapt. He knew what he had and, and was super special. Um, that's gone now. And, and right. Who fills the void? And Wes Goodwin is a guy that, man, it, it's so funny when, when it came out, Greg, that he was the guy I was blown away because I didn't even think that that was an option. I didn't think that Wes Goodwin could be that. I, I didn't think he was in the running, um, you know, because he, he had never been a coach at Clemson. He was kind of always in this little bit behind the scenes role. But then as I think about it, it makes total sense. This guy is a mad scientist of his own and, and is obsessive in nature and has this unbelievable, you know, photo memory where he can see something for a couple of seconds and then draw the entire play, show you the motions, the routes and, and everything that they did. So to, to see him get this opportunity Number one, I'm, I'm so excited for him and, and think he's going to do a fantastic job. But then we actually got to see it, right, in a bowl game. We, we got to see it in a spring game. And, and now, of course, as the season comes on, he, he is going to do some things, Greg, that are very unique and different. And, and two weeks from now, you and I can break that down of what that looks like. I'm, I'm not giving away trade secrets here, but he's going to do some things that, that Clemson hasn't done uh, in a very long time that I'm excited about. He's putting these guys in – Really nice situations. He's moving Trenton Simpson to the inside, having him closer to the ball, which I think is really going to help him out. Um, so I'm not worried defensively as all as crazy as that is to, to sit here and say. Offensively, I think we're, we're going to see them look a little bit different. You know, they're going to get back to tempo, the things that we did back in 2011 and 2012. I think they really are going to try to utilize the middle of the field and get in, uh, those tight ends involved, get those big wide receivers, you know, kind of in the slot doing their thing in the middle. Cause that's been absent from Clemson's offense for a couple of years. Now, the one thing that I'm really intrigued, Greg is from a running perspective, do, do they commit to that more knowing their offensive line strength is, is going to be running the football, knowing they have three running backs that are really, really good and complement each other very well do they almost force that issue to where instead of balance, we're, we're going to be more of a power team this year? I can't wait to see it. It's going to be fascinating from, from a schematic standpoint, just truly how different that looks on the field. Yeah, it's part of the reason why I actually, gosh, probably three, four weeks ago on a show, I don't remember what show it was, said that Will Shipley is, I think, the best dark horse Heisman play because of how much they're going to commit to the run game and the numbers he's likely to accumulate part. That has to do, too, with the lack of trust. I guess if there's reasonable <laughs> right. lack of trust in the quarterback spot. And yep. they've traditionally put a lot on that guy's shoulders. Last year, they did so again. And DJ Uyunglele just could not answer the call. People keep saying he's different this year. He's lost weight. He's more mobile. All this other stuff. But what's a reasonable expectation for the quarterback spot that was an Achilles heel last year? Yeah, Greg, you know what is fascinating about this situation is that I'd heard those things too, right? All, all off season, all spring, most of the summer. And now all of a sudden you start hearing this competition word. I hadn't heard that ever 
And all of a sudden I, I hear that and I hear Cade's going to play. He's going to be in there. And, and so it's, it's this weird, like, okay, where are we standpoint with these guys and something that, you know, I, I did not perceive happening, you, you know, or think would happen uh, at least this early. And, and so now it's a little bit of a situation that, you know, we're almost monitoring even closer now because these guys are openly saying that. And, and so I don't know how true of a quarterback competition it, it is from the practice that I've seen, from the things that I've seen. It, DJ has always been with the ones, and, and I think that it is his team. But if we get into this Georgia Tech game on Monday night and, you know, K goes in Series 3, then I think this is this is truly an audition each and every play, each and every series that they go out there. So, you know, you know what, what it, it's interesting to see, and you know this, playing the position and, and you know, certainly me being an offensive guy, you can only tell so much from a quarterback, from the quarterback position in practice. You're not getting hit. We're not keeping score. There's all these different factors that when the lights are on and when that thing's real, that the different things come out. The, the escapability, the decision-making has to be so much quicker. So we, we haven't seen that from DJ yet in this new body, in this new year. How much has he grown up? Um, and, and so from that, man, I just don't know. I don't know until they play Monday night. And after that, you and I can sit back down again and we can have this conversation and we'll lay it out because it'll be very evident because Georgia Tech had great success against Clemson defensively a year ago and, and the things that they tried to do and disguise coverage, disguise blitz, and, man, just really get after DJ. They're going to have a plan in place that they feel comfortable about. And, and has DJ grown? We'll find out very quickly. Well, I mean, could you see a scenario, since you referenced Cade, uh, Cade Klubnik, the, the true freshman from Austin, Texas, you reference him. Could this be a Cole Stout, Deshaun Watson incumbent holds it down for a handful of games and then the superstar freshman comes in, similar to Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. The incumbent holds it down for a few games and the superstar comes in, but they sprinkle him in there the first few games to get his feet wet. And then when you get into ACC play, they make the switch. Could you envision that scenario coming to fruition? You know, when you look at Clemson's schedule and you look at those first games and then their first conference game is Wake Forest and, and certainly not sure where Sam Hartman is and, and hope and pray that he gets back as safely and as healthy uh, as he can. Um, but that gets in a hurry. You have Wake Forest and NC State back to back. It's almost, Greg, like you have to make that decision if you're doing it before then. Like you can't go into that week. And now this freshman is the guy. Like when, when Trevor Lawrence did that, I think it was Syracuse. Uh, you, you can't do that against the division uh, champion from a year ago and the perceived, uh, you know, the, the, the great team that NC State's going to be. So does Clemson do that even sooner? Um, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fascinating. I think that sh that leash is short. And, uh, you know, again, hearing that competition where it's something I had not heard all year, all preseason, and all of a sudden it's in every interview that I look at. Um, it, it will be fascinating to see how quickly Clemson moves. If again, this, this is a massive asterisk. If DJ has not done the things necessary to to hold the standard that is the Clemson quarterback position. Well, I think a lot of the hey, look as a quarterback, you're going to get a lot of blame. You're going to get a lot of credit too, but you're going to get a lot Always. of blame. And the fact Always. that they had a down yeah. year by their standards, DJ is going to receive a lot of criticism. But he doesn't play it the position by himself. If you look at the wide receivers from a year ago, I would say that they were a long way off of yes. the great receiving rooms and depth 
that Clemson's had at that position for quite a while. Now, they got a bunch of guys back, guys that have played, but how would you assess the receiver position relative to what Clemson's had in the last five or six years when they had superstars at multiple positions? Yes, certainly the the talent is there, Greg. And, and that, you know, a lot of people, man, when, when they're looking at this thing from strictly a fan basis or, or you know, that, that don't have all the, the, the resources or knowledge to, to know what goes into an offense and they just, they blame it all on you guys. It's always the quarterback's <laughs> fault. But as you just said, there was a lot that went into that thing with lack of continuity, with lack of availability, with lack of production at the wide receiver position. And th- those guys have to take a step. I mean, everywhere I look, it's it's a four or five star guy. It, it's can you get that dog out of you? And can you get that mentality of I'm going to do this? I'm going to be the guy that helps take the next step. Now, they have a couple of young guys that are really, really impressive. And, and you know, you hope you get to see them early and often. But but can those older guys you know, take the, the necessary steps. I mean, Joseph Ngata is a god out there. I mean, he's six foot three, 220 pounds, but you got to play that way. You, you got to play the way you look and you have to be aggressive and you have to be a, a guy that Clemson can count on to get it done. And this is his last go around. This is, this is the grand finale. So can you step up to the plate? Can you remain healthy? Can you be out there and available for your team? Same thing with EJ Williams. Uh, Bo Collins obviously turned it on late a year ago. Think he can really be good for this team. I think the coaches are, you know, really challenging Dakari Collins, number three there, a true sophomore to take the necessary steps. But like I said, there's some young guys that I think step up and, and also Greg interested to see the involvement of the tight end. I mean, they, they've got a couple of guys, uh, that, that are really, really talented that, that just, you know, don't line up and block these big, you know, end of line guys that can be spread out wide, that can be in the backfield, that can do certain things for you that, I think everybody has to be a piece of this puzzle, wide receiver, tight end, and even running backs in this receiving game and, and help DJ out here. Yeah, I mean, Davis Allen, I think, has got a chance to have a big year. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's going to be – he's a reliable target, that's for sure. You reference the offensive line. We've hit the running backs. We've hit the quarterback. We've hit the coaching chains. Let's move to the defense side of the ball. I think a big reason why a lot of people <laughs> think Clemson belongs in the top four uh, is because of their front seven defensively, if you want to really go into it. Maybe not so much the linebackers, but more so – the, the front line defenders. Now, this group's deep, is talented, um, got hit hard last year with attrition, and a lot of guys got banged up, including Brzee, who I think could take a big step this year, assuming he's gotten better with his hands and has become a more, I think, a, a, a player that can beat you with more than just sheer brute strength. Right. If he becomes a little more crafty, then he could be unstoppable. But what would you say is the concern of yours along the front, knowing that everyone's touting this group as one of the best position groups in all of college football? Yeah, I think if, if you have to name one, it's just health. It's something you, you have no control over, no player, no coach. Has, it, it takes luck, quite frankly, um, to stay healthy. I mean, this is a physical, fast game, and, and things happen all the time. Guys fall on knees, twist ankles, arms, whatever, and and there's luck that's involved with this thing, man. And, and, and to stay healthy is really – the only concern that I have for this Clemson defense, you know, you know, I obviously had high expectations for these guys uh, going into this season, but then when I got to go and sit down with them on the the ACC road trip that we had this summer, um, they were better than expected, better than advertised. And, and the way that I say that the things that I saw was that linebacking core, I thought was going to take a step backwards. When you lose a guy like Spectre, when you lose a guy like Skowski that had so much production, so much experience, so much talent, how can you go forward? 
Uh, so I, I really thought that that was going to be a position where, okay, Clemson's going to have to grow. They're going to have to figure it out. That's not the case, man. They're bigger. They're faster. They're stronger. They're more athletic. They are going to be better at linebacker. When a guy like Barrett Carter is is an absolute weapon X, and, and folks don't know his name yet, but you're going to by the end of this season. Coach Sweeney called him the perfect football player. He's 6'2", 225 pounds. He, he plays every position at linebacker. They put him at safety. They put him at nickel. They said, hey, we'll put him at, at kick return. We'll let him return kicks. He's that athletic. Uh, so I have high expectations for him. Obviously, we know the name in Trenton Simpson, a guy that is just a freak uh, that, again, I mentioned is going to be close to that ball. He's going to do a lot of different things for you. And then Jeremiah Trotter is, is going to be the third one. The, the thing, you know, Greg, that makes them so different from the previous group is they're so versatile that they can stay yeah. on the field in any look that you try to do because they're athletic enough to be out in space. They're big enough to be in the box when you need it. You don't have to substitute. You don't have to rotate. You don't have to get guys in, get caught with your pants down, and then you're in a bad situation defensively. Those guys are going to stay on the field. When I look at the secondary, there's going to be a lot of youth. Uh, but there's going to be some guys that 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 get your eyebrows raised when you see him play. Nate Wiggins is AJ Terrell reincarnated. I mean, it, it's spectacular to see how that young man has a knock uh, or a knack for being around the football. I mean, every practice I've been to, he's come down with a pick or a fumble. I mean, it, it's crazy the ball hawking ability that he has. And then, of course, Andrew Makuba in the back. So that's all the fun part. The scary parts up front that you mentioned with Brian Brzee, Tyler Davis. Xavier Thomas, when he gets back, KJ Henry, Miles Murphy, Ruka, Ro, Ro, Ro. I mean, the list keeps going. It, it's crazy. Clemson is going to have five defensive linemen drafted uh, in, in a couple of months, which, which is not crazy to think about. They've done four before. Uh, they actually, they did have five. So they're, they're going to do that again. And uh, these guys are they are going to prove they're the best in the country. Yeah, phenomenal in the front. No denying that. I, With all due respect to Skalski and Specter. I thought they were they were reliable, they were solid, good quality pieces in the locker room, but limited. And I, I think, like you yeah. said, I'm not cons- I'm not going to lose a single second of sleep about replacing that second level. Yeah, you lose a ton of tackles, a ton of starts, but you might be better at yes. those positions because now you have a guy that can really go sideline to sideline and isn't going to get tossed for targeting every other game. Uh, not that that was always Skalski's fault, but it's a, it's worth mentioning, I guess, to a certain extent. Corner's the one position of concern for me based on tape because I haven't seen these guys. You make me feel a little better when you describe Wiggins uh, and Sheridan Jones, some of these other guys that will be out there um, starting for the Tigers there in the back end. And if the pass rush is good, how good do you have to be a corner? It'll be fine. Exactly. So, I mean, all right, moving on just a little bit to bigger picture as it pertains to Clemson this year. I feel like this is a team that thrives when they are overlooked. Um, they thrive in an underdog setting. Yeah. No one respects us. We're just little old Clemson. We got a chip on our shoulder. We're going to go prove the world that we belong. Well, th- it's kind of the opposite this year where you're coming off of a disappointing season and yet here you are ranked number four in college football. <laughs> so, I mean, is the, is the scuttlebutt around the facility like, man, I kind of wish we were 10th. You know, <laughs> right. How do they, 
How do they approach this? Yeah, I, I think certainly seeing that ranking is, you know, just that validation and just kind of the, the reassurance of what Clemson has built in that respect, uh, which is a rare thing for the Tigers, as you just mentioned. They, they like being disrespected. They like being, uh, you know, picked on and all these different things just for that added motivation. Who doesn't? We, we all find ways to find rat poison in, in the media. Um, <laughs> and I think the, the fascinating thing is, is that – they know they didn't play to their standard. So it, it, I don't want to call it like embarrassment because I think they did do some amazing things a year ago. And the fact that they won 10 games is something certainly to be celebrated. You talked to Coach Sweeney. He said, we had no business winning 10 games. Well, we found ways to compete. We found ways to to get it done. And And this team just has that chip on their shoulder of, we have to get back to that standard. We, we have to get Clemson back to where they're supposed to be for, for playing for not just ACC championships, but, but national championships. That's the standard that has been set there since 2015. And so I think when, when you have that mindset, when you look at 10 wins as a disappointing season, you're in rarefied air and you, you, you're just one of the elites. And, and Clemson knows that. And they certainly, certainly uh, you know, have their eyes set on getting back to where they're supposed to be. Uh, finally, before we, before we put a bow on this, just talk quickly about the schedule. Uh, I'll give you a half second to pull it up in case you don't have it right now at Georgia <laughs> tech in Mercedes Benz Superdome. Is that what it's called? Mercedes Benz stadium, Superdome, whatever. Something so like I think that. it's They're not paying stadium. you, so you don't have to say it right. Superdome's <laughs> in new Orleans. I think I should know that, but either way, uh, at Mercedes Benz, that's on labor day. I think that game could get sideways in a hurry, even though Georgia tech, of course, um, played them pretty well, like you alluded to last year. At Wake Forest, September 24th, that game does not concern me. I think with a great defensive line, with how Wake does the slow mesh, I just think the matchup's really, really strong in favor of Clemson. NC State's going to be brutal. At Boston College, especially if that's the red bandana game, I think that's a tricky one. At Florida State, that's the toughest three-game stretch to me. Knowing that you have those three with consecutive road games to Boston College, you're going to get their best shot. That's a proud program. And then Florida State should be better. And we all know Notre Dame is going to bring the pain on November 5th. So how would you kind of assess the schedule and which games are keeping you up at night as a Clemson fan? Yeah, man, I think when you look at this schedule, the, the biggest thing that you want to circle is October 1. I mean, the the, the revenge factor, the the factor of – how good NC State could be and, and the experience that they have and Devin Leary, how good of a quarterback he is, that that is the game of the ACC, in my opinion. I'm not just saying that as a Clemson alum or an NC State stand. Uh, that that sh- could be a top 10 matchup when you look at it at being the fifth game of the season and the things that could happen. Um, both teams undefeated. Wouldn't be surprised if game day's there. Wouldn't be surprised if, if that's on some primetime channel and there's going to be a lot of juice around there. There's already been, you know, chirping on social media between the guys and, and you see the different things and that that's, that's going to be a big one. Um, an, another stretch that is just so intriguing is that the way they finish the season, I mean, three home games against a, a Malik uh, Cunningham Louisville team that I, I know how highly you think of, of Malik and, and the things that he can do and how dangerous of a player he is. Listen, I've seen more often than not people throwing his name around in the Heisman race. I mean, that young man is going to be good. He he keeps you up at night anytime as a defensive coordinator, as a defensive player, just trying to get him on the ground there. Uh, and, and then Miami, you know, 
who knows how good they can be? Is, is Crystal Ball going to get them back quicker than not? You obviously have a, a solid quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke and, and the growth that we can see from him, this pro-style offense with Coach Gaddis. Um, so so those two, and, and I, I forgot Notre Dame there at the end or at the beginning of that stretch, it, it is going to be a big-time test for Clemson and just looking – you know, where, where are those teams ranked when they play them? It's going to be a fascinating finish and just really to, to get Clemson going. This, as normal years, you know, you just look at Clemson's schedule like, oh, this is this is simple. This one, it's a little no. tricky, and I think it, it deserves a little <laughs> right. bit of respect. I think it's a I think it's a really tough schedule. I love the ACC this year. I think there's quality scattered across the board, and so many teams have great quarterbacks. So oh, yeah. you got a great quarterback, got a chance. So I, I'm with That's you, right. like Louisville. Good example there. If Malik goes off, guess what? Four quarter game. Right. Uh, it's just the way it's <laughs> that's the way it's going to be, man. Great stuff. Ten and a half is the win total for Clemson. I lean under. Uh, I think ten's the number, and that might feel harsh, but an improved ACC to go eleven to one is pretty. Pretty impressive ask. Do you feel confident about that 10.5 number from Vegas? Yeah, you, you know, I think it is a good number. I think obviously they're trying to put people in a tough spot with, with that. Exactly what you just said is as 10 being the number. But um, I, I just think this defense is going to be too good. And I think if they can get average play from the quarterback position, I, I think they're back to, to, to doing what they do. I think they rely on that run game. I think the offensive line is, is much improved in that area, especially with guys they've moved around and a couple of new faces they're going to have up there. So I, I'm going over. I, I think Clemson gets back to that. I think we might have two undefeated teams in the ACC championship with a Pittsburgh and a Clemson. And my goodness, how much fireworks yeah. would that be if that came to fruition? All right, put it on paper. Eric McLean's got Pitt <laughs> going undefeated. All right. I'm sure no Tennessee fans will react strongly to that. I'm yeah, sure nobody else in the Coastal will react strongly. That'll be good. That's right. Uh, e, great stuff, man. Really, really appreciate it. Awesome as always. And thanks for giving us a deep dive into the Clemson Tigers. Yeah, no doubt, man. Keep killing on this show. Awesome to see and uh, appreciate you always, my friend. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
All right, great stuff from Eric McLean there. Great hearing about what the Clemson Tigers might be like this year, how they might bounce back. Now, keep in mind, they've only lost two true road games to unranked teams in the last 10 years under Dabo Sweeney. One was against NC State. That was last year. And then in 2017 against the Syracuse Orange. Speaking of Syracuse, we know that Syracuse has hit a bit of a rough patch. However, it doesn't mean they don't have a tremendous history. And one player, one number, one jersey in particular has an unbelievably storied past. Let's listen to Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning as we take another visit to Eli's places. Coach Coughlin was a kid growing up in Waterloo, New York, watching Jim Brown and Ernie Davis run wild for the orange. It's certainly not hard to see why Ernie was a unanimous All-American choice. And when he became a Syracuse back himself in 1965, Coach Coughlin played alongside future Hall of Famers Larry Zonka, number 39, and Floyd Little, the last of the great 44s. The way this started, Jim Brown asked for number 33. 33 was already being worn by a senior, so he couldn't get it. So he said, give me a double-digit number, and they gave him 44. Halfback Jimmy, first down, Brown picks up that and then some as he breaks loose on a spine-tingling open-field gallop. Now, how did a player get to wear 44? Did the previous 44s get a vote on that? Jim had something to do recruiting Ernie Davis to Syracuse. When Ernie came to Syracuse, he wore 44, and then Ernie recruited Floyd. When Ernie passed away, yeah. then Floyd reflected on that, and he made his commitment to Syracuse to wear number 44. Here's Floyd Little off on one of his specialties. Who's the first player you think of when you think of 44? Ernie. Davis is number 44 in these collegiate shots. Runs like this one helped him break all of Jim Brown's rushing and scoring records at Syracuse. Great stuff from Eli and from Tom Coughlin there. It's funny to see those two guys in a room. That's probably the nicest Tom Coughlin's ever been to Eli, except for the two times they hoisted the Super Bowl Lombardi Trophy. <laughs> of course, it's always great to visit with Eli and Eli's places. He does an amazing job every single Wednesday. You can catch that on ESPN+. Plus. So we appreciate y'all checking him out. And I certainly, as a college football diehard and as a fan of the Manning family, have thoroughly enjoyed all the things they've done up to this point. They talk about that legendary number, number 44 at Syracuse. Now, there's rumors, there's buzz that Sean Tucker, who is an All-American candidate at running back for the Syracuse Orange this year, he's 34. Maybe he gets that four switched out for the three at some point this season and gets a Don 44 for the first time in quite a while. I know I'd root for that. He seems like a great kid and a guy that I've been rooting for for the last couple of years. Just a really special talent. But as far as special numbers are concerned, Check out our Twitter poll and go on Twitter at always CFB. Tell us some of the biggest numbers in your eyes. Like what are the most historically significant numbers at the various schools? Like we know Texas A&M number 12, LSU, their best player gets a Don number seven. Uh, we've seen it a bit, bunch of different places, whether it be 45 for Archie Griffin, 15 for Tim Tebow. Um, some of the great players that have worn 34 in the past, like Ricky Williams and, and uh, you know, several others. I mean, Herschel Walker come to mind. To me, 12 has always been the number that I've wanted. And, and partly because my dad's favorite player 
was Joe Namath. Now, I wanted to wear it in high school. It was unavailable. They gave me 17. Why? Because that was the last remaining quarterback number uh, when I was joining the varsity. <laughs> but when I got to Alabama, I wore 17 for the first couple of years. But when I first signed with Alabama, dad said, hey, if you could wear number 12, it'd, it'd mean a lot to me. I'm you, My favorite player of all time, reason why I love college, love college football and professional football is because of Joe Namath. He was my hero. I said, dad, if I, if I can, I'd, I'd love to wear it for you. And sure enough, after a couple of years and finally getting in good favor with Nick Saban, I worked up enough courage to make the ask and said, coach, would, would you mind if I, if I switched this year from 17 to 12? And he looked at me, he said, you know, I wore 12. I said, well, that's obviously why I want to wear it coach. And he kind of smirked. He said, all right, I'll see what I can do. So sure enough, next thing you know, I show up for fall camp later that fall. I'm wearing number 12. So it's a special number to me. It's a tribute to my dad. But in parts because of where I played, it's a tribute to both Kenny Stabler, uh, rest in peace, one of my favorite players, one of my favorite people of all time. And of course, to the great Joe Willie Namath. Hold on. I got to ask you a question here, McElroy. Did you ever talk with Joe Namath about wearing number 12? Has that ever come up in any conversations? <laughs> no. Uh, Joe actually left me a voicemail after I signed with Alabama and he said, I mean, it's clear as day. We all recognize Joe Namath's voice and I don't know, somehow it, you know, it's worked its way up the food chain and some, I'm sure somebody at Alabama had probably talked to him at some alumni event to say, Hey, that new quarterback from Texas, like he worships you. And he, so we, I get a voicemail. I got this number a South Florida area code. Hello, Greg. This is Joe Namath calling and left me this 30 second voicemail that I had up until the time on my phone until I got an iPhone. So I had it for like several years before it was inevitably lost, which just still breaks my heart. Now I've soon, you know, after, after a while became quite close with Joe and see him regularly and have pictures of him with my boys and, and things like that. So he still means an awful lot to us, but yeah, uh, never talked to him about making the switch to 12, but it was understood. Uh, especially from his perspective, how I felt about him and you know why I felt like I was very honored to wear that number. Now, it would have been really interesting when I got to the Jets had I made that request. Um, that number, of course, in green and white is uh, retired. Um, so that was not one I was going to touch as a seventh round pick. I wasn't touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Now, if I had been in like year 10, maybe I would have tried, but no, it wasn't going to happen there <laughs> in New York. That's for sure. As far as our news and notes are concerned, Nick Saban just inked the richest contract per year of any college football coach. The big winner here is Jimmy Sexton, his agent, who has signed not one but two coaches in the last three, four months to extensions that equate to over $200 million in contracts incentives. Now, Kirby Smart signed a $110 million deal. Uh, of course, that averages out to 11.2 per year. And then Nick Saban recently signing a $93 million deal that averages out to 11.7. So both coaches in the national championship game, obviously big boosts uh, to their bank account. Both coaches, I might add, especially knowing that I live in the Birmingham area and have seen how the University of Alabama has changed, seen the type of students it's now attracting because of its football program. I think Nick Saban's worth every single penny. The impact that he's had on Tuscaloosa, the infrastructure in Tuscaloosa, the property taxes because property values have skyrocketed because of the game day condo sales. Nick Saban, whatever he wants his salary to be, Alabama will pay it. <laughs> so I still think even at 11.7, 
It's a bargain. Washington has named a starting quarterback, Michael Penix, the transfer from Indiana. He's reunited with Kalen DeBoer, who's the new head coach of the Washington Huskies, formerly of Fresno State, but prior to his stop at Fresno State, he was at Indiana. So he, in a roundabout way, those two reunite. Michael Penix will be the guy after a three-way quarterback derby that has allowed him to become the starting quarterback. Hopefully Washington can be better this year. Surely they can't be worse, that's for sure. And then finally, in a fairly significant move this morning, Pat Narduzzi, the head coach of the Pitt Panthers, has named Keaton Slovis, the transfer from USC, as the starting quarterback. Significant because of the shoes he has to fill. Kenny Pickett, not an easy guy to replace, but Slovis, when healthy, has been among the better quarterbacks in college football. I think he has a chance to have a really big year there for a team that has everyone back along the offensive line, will have a newfound commitment to the run game, and still has adequate pieces on the perimeter at wide receivers. So hopefully Keaton Slovis will play very, very well, and he better play well week one because West Virginia in the backyard brawl will be no easy task. Thanks for being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out immensely. We so appreciate how many of you guys have found us in the last month. Continue. Tell your friends. Word of mouth is big in our line of work. Tell your friends about Always College Football. We're talking about the game that you love every single day, and we're doing so because we love it just like you guys. Like, rate, and subscribe. Hit us up on the YouTube channel in the comments section. That'd be huge. And you can also, of course, always like, rate, and subscribe on the podcast as well via Apple Podcast or via Spotify. AlwaysCollegeFootball at gmail.com is the best way to really interact with the show via email because you can interact with us using the mailbag question. Send us a video. If you want to take a video of yourself asking us a question, we'll put it on TV and we'll definitely have those communications here down the road. Social media at AlwaysCFB. For Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. We appreciate you being with us. And remember, it's always college football.